0: Following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys football club. This
1: is Talking Cowboys, streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys world headquarters at the Star in Frisco.
2: plowing to the goal line, Barry, sacked by
3: Lord. Prescott keeps it and he brings it in the
1: touchdown. And now your hosts, Isaiah Stanback It is another edition of Talking Cowboys here from the SWBC studios at the Star in Frisco. Today is June 7th, another Tuesday, Talking Cowboys Tuesday T-C-T? TCT, baby. As we break it down for you, the Cowboys offseason continues to roll along. And as the big voice man said, Heckma Harrison, Isaiah Stanback, Rob Phillips, we've got Chris Beam in the back. I'm Kyle Yeomans, glad you're with us. Gentlemen,
2: how are we doing? I'm swell, man. How are you? And you're wearing Swell that, or swole?
1: Yes. Yeah, so you're wearing the Which where are we going today? That's what it is. Both.
2: I'm, I wear extra large shirts. Stop it.
1: <laughs> you could check the tag. You probably wear extra large, but that's a medium, dude. Can I check you the tag? Can, no, you but you're not tech, fooling check anybody. Tech,
0: check the tag, man. It's
1: an exam. Yep. Rob's going to check it. Let's check go. It's yeah. an XL. Oh, yeah. man. He
0: you supposed to say is a small? <laughs> I just knew he was going to say it. <laughs> a medium. It's a schmedium. Yeah. I just knew he was going to say extra oh, schmedium. It's, it's a women's X. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't have done you like that. That's, that's off the top rope right there for Chris, though. Came all the way down. <laughs> laying all down so I hammer. was macho, man.
1: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, good. Glad everybody's doing well. We've got some news and notes to hit. We have a special guest coming up in our second segment, Damn. one of which that has... A gold jacket, but not only a gold jacket, but one of the best careers in the history of the National Football League. Mm. Mean Joe Green is going to join us on the phone Yay! coming up in the second segment. Uncle Joe to Heckma, but we're going to talk some football. We're going to get his thought process about this Cowboys team and then also uh, a great foundation in which you guys can can help out with along the way as well. So keep tune for that. Coming up here in about 20-25 minutes or so, we'll have me and Joe Green. But Rob, as always, let's start things off with some news and notes. What's going around, Cowboy Nation?
4: Well, the last week of OTAs are here, followed by voluntary OTAs, vol- followed by a mandatory mini camp next week. And uh, Dalton Schultz, not expected to be here this week for voluntary OTAs <laughs> as he seeks a new contract. That's the. You said
0: voluntary twice, so something get something gives with that. No, I'm
4: just I'm just restating that. <laughs> I think this gets more interesting next week if it's mandatory and he's not here. But uh, as we all know, he you know he would like a long term deal and and he doesn't have one. He's on the franchise tag, which he signed back in March, soon after he got the tag. I think it's worth almost 11 million bucks for tight ends this year. He's one of three tight ends to get get a tag. One. Uh, David Njoku has gotten a long-term deal from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Dalton Schultz has not. And it doesn't sound like there's been much movement on that front at all to this point. So um, it, it's noteworthy. I don't know if it's big news, but you know this is the first time this has happened in a while for the Cowboys where uh, they've had a guy on the tag who's not showed up. And I can't remember the last time it, well, it might have been Des Bryant in 2015 where there's been any kind of – I don't even know if you call this a holdout, but just – you know just kind of a raise your hand hey I'm, I'm still here I'm, I'm I'm your top tight end I'd like to maybe start some conversations here if we can please
1: Yeah David Njoku 4 years 54 million dollars that's an average of about of about 13.7 a year uh, 17 of that fully guaranteed so that's a that's a massive deal for a tight end especially one that was on the franchise tag previously because he was tagged by Cleveland and then moved into the signing
4: of the long-term deal and you've got until June 15th right July 15th. July 15th. Sorry. Yeah. 40, 40 odd days left to, to get something done. Like I said, I don't I don't there really hasn't been much movement there. I it, it it does sound like the Cowboys want to talk and, and and work towards possibly getting a deal done. I don't know if that's going to happen, but um, it's something they are interested in. I don't know if this will move the needle at all for them. We'll see. Mm. Heck,
1: when you look at this, I mean as a Cowboys fan, the word hold out Always kind of sends shivers down your spine, and I mean any team in the NFL. If there's a holdout, I don't think we've hit that yet. Just because it is voluntary OTAs, we'll hit that word again for Rob. <laughs> but if it does end up turning into more than what it is already, is this a big deal to have Dalton Schultz kind of frustrated and and uh, in, in trying to take a stand from that tight end spot?
0: Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't think of. I don't think any of the players back there in the locker room are faulting Dalton Schultz for going after his money. I think these guys understand that you have to strike while the iron's hot. And he's proved in the last two years Mm -hmm. that he can be a viable option in this offense. Um, What most guys do is they have the numbers, the production, and everything to boot before they say, put my name on the cake. right? (laughs) But Mm -hmm. he's saying, I've shown you enough. And based off of who's behind me, I'm your best option, right? And then he's also taking that production, and he's looking around the league and saying, this guy's making more money than me, and he damn sure shouldn't be, Mm. based off of the numbers, right? Mm. There are a lot of people right now, and I noticed the knee-jerk reaction from Dalton Schultz saying that he wasn't coming into camp, where it's like, you know, good riddance, pack up, go. You can't say that with Dalton Schultz. He is an integral part of the Dallas Cowboys offense, and let's just, just talk about him in the red zone. Yep. And what he does in the red zone for Dak Prescott, what he does in the middle of the field for this offense, this is a this is a match made in heaven, right? You, you can't click the puzzle piece more perfectly than what Dalton Schultz fits into it. So the truth is, I'm not stupid enough to say that the Cowboys have to reset the market at the tight end position. But I'm just dumb enough to say that cl- they have to come close to it. Mm. Okay? Because... Maybe he he's not looking at David and Joku. David and Joku is a joke to him because if you look at the numbers, he's looking at Dallas Goddard and Dallas Goddard is a hundred thousand dollars away from Travis Kelsey, which I think. Anybody signs a tight end deal, Kansas City should be ripping up Kelsey's deal to give him the biggest deal. All of these things are fluid. Mm -hmm. We talk about Dak when he got paid his money. What happened? Mm -hmm. Other teams went out and they signed guys to bigger, better deals. This thing is going to continue to move. And so my thing is, I just don't want the Dallas Cowboys organization to... Convolute this in any way. This seems like an easy one. Uh, but somehow, some way, I think that the, the water will get muddied. Uh, but this is too easy, and I think they need to make the right decision to get this guy signed. It's muddy.
3: It's very <laughs> muddy. Um,
0: I'm just going to back up some of the information that you just gave. Um,
2: you gave him service level. I'm trying to go a little bit deeper. The man needs to get his money. And you guys know I'm not a big numbers guy, but when you start looking around and it's time to get paid, because I'm an advocate for all these players having the opportunity to get their money, especially when they've shown a production, Schultz is not the most dangerous man. I've said that on this show before. I'm not threatened by Schultz, but he is a very integral part to this offense, and they need him in this offense because he's Mr. Consistency. Now, there's obviously elements of his game that people want to see get better. However, what they utilize him for, he does very well. Let's back that up, okay? Let's go back to N'Joker. Njoku, four years, $54.8 million back in May. Mm -hmm. Okay? All right. Over the last two seasons, uh, Njoku has 55 catches. Over the last two seasons, Schultz has 141 catches. Yes, he does. Njoku has 688 yards receiving. Schultz has 1,423 yards receiving. Njoku has six touchdowns. Schultz has 12 touchdowns. Eight of which came in this last year, which is tied for the most by a tight end in Cowboys history with Shul- Jason Witten. Wow. Schultz has played 33 games and Joku's played 29. So when you look at the numbers and Joku's getting paid for the next four years based upon a million dollars per catch that he had over the last two seasons.
1: I will say there's more to the tight end position than the receiving numbers. I'm looking at the same thing. I'm looking Absolutely. at it as well because Dalton Schultz receiving wise has been far more dangerous than Absolutely. David and Joku over the last couple of Fats. seasons. However, David Njoku as a blocker yep. has been much right. better. He's a beast. Much better yeah. than Dalton Schultz yeah. consistently. And it, I mean it's proven by the success yeah. of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and what that Cleveland offense has done on the ground. Dalton Schultz hasn't brought that from a tight
2: end yeah. position the same way and they're gonna as Njoku. And they're paying Njoku because of that. Yeah. They're paying Njoku because of what he can do for that running game and what he brings to the Cleveland Browns offense. Get it. Totally understand it. Everybody's not the same. Everybody's not as well-rounded as a Kittle, as a Kelsey. We get it. There's only a handful of those guys running around the league. However, for what the Cowboys utilize Schultz for, he is delivering he's delivering. So he based upon the numbers and based upon how integral
4: he is to this team, he deserves at least what Njoku's getting. Mm. What do you think, Rob? Um yeah, I think he's earned yeah, I mean, the, just on the franchise tag alone, that's 11 million bucks right there. The Cowboys are already willing to do that. Would they be willing to go farther than that knowing that I mean, they have cap space, but they've also got to look. They, they always talk about preparing three years down the line, and they've got some top guys yeah, coming doing- up with some money, too. Do they want to set the market at this position when they've got Diggs eligible for a deal next year? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike is going to come down the line at some point. So I I'm not sure. I mean, I think if he had been a free agent last year, he would have gotten his money. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure... Do they want to pay that much? We'll see, but what you could do, and they a lot of these deals that they make, they, they get those escape hatches after two years. So, you, yeah, you could re-sign him to a deal, lock yourself in for at least a couple years with Dalton Schultz and prevent you from having to address that position potentially high in next year's draft. Now, maybe Jake Ferguson... Takes a big step as a rookie, but uh, you know Dalton Schultz didn't do that as a fourth round pick either. So I don't know if you can if you can count
0: on that. So Look, that's me, tough. Let me say it like this: and, and Isaiah, if I'm I'm dealing with it on the surface, let's go Gandhi in a submarine right now. <laughs> okay, okay, let's go. Let's, yeah, let's, let's go. go. Deep, right? The opposite of Top Gun. Yeah, okay, right, let's let's go. go. Let's go deep on this. So <laughs> here's the deal: when you have when you you're, you're dealing in a situation where the top guys production wise have been paid and have shown you. But God, they've paid this guy thirteen million dollars, fourteen million dollars, mm. and all of the safe deals that fall in under that. Ten million dollars for a guy that now has an opportunity to put his staple, his his name, mm-hmm. in this offense. Because who's missing now? Amari Cooper's production is gone. Who was targeted more in the red zone, Amari Cooper or Dalton Schultz? Amari Cooper was. Mm-hmm. So that means now you get an honor. Yeah, yeah. So when I say strike where the iron is hot, he has the, this organization in his crosshairs. And in a certain degree, Ooh. he's got – I don't want to say he has all the leverage. Oh. But all I'm saying is if he's going to play on this, this tag year – Next year, it could be a lot worse Ooh. because of where the market could be reset to. Are he, it,
4: so you're saying they're not going to throw the ball any less to him? Hell no. I don't think so. I think he's Hell a, he's a massive part of this offense. You talk about resetting the market. So George Kittle's at 15 a year. Kelsey's at fourteen three. This is according to Over the Cap. Goddard's at fourteen two. So, yeah, I mean, do you want to go that high? I wouldn't say he has leverage. I don't think he has financial leverage because he signed the tag. He signed the tag. So like there's no rush on the Cowboys to get the job done anyway. Well, and and if he misses mandatory stuff, you could find him. I mean, that's what happened to Zeke in twenty nineteen. He was I think he was fine daily, or they could find him Mm -hmm. daily at training camp. Not that saying this is gonna get to that point. And I don't I'm surprised he's even doing this really. Yeah. Because yeah, because one, he told us in April, yeah, this is fine. It's a good first step. I wanna get a long term deal, but I know where I'm gonna be for a year, it's fine. Now, when there's not talks and movement, then yeah. maybe you get frustrated. But two, he's a gym rat. Like I give him credit. One reason why he's gotten to this point and turned himself into made himself into a good player is he he works hard. He loves the process. He loves being here. Um, you know, you have agents, and I'm not saying that's necessarily the case. But sometimes maybe you get some advice on maybe we need to nudge, and do a little something to try to get something going here. Um, but I, but you're right. Like, not financial leverage, but. This offense is different than it was last year. Yeah. They've got to, the wide receiver position is in flux. They got to figure some stuff out. One constant is Dalton Schultz. And if you don't have Dalton Schultz at tight end, what do you have right now that's proven? Who's the four? I mean, that's. Well, you have Jeremy Sprinkle, who's a vet, but they don't have another proven guy that can go get you. 50, 60-plus catches in this league, they don't have that. They don't have a proven safety valve.
1: You in brought up a great point earlier in the segment talking specifically about the priorities that are at hand, though. That's the biggest thing that's that's tough to look at whenever I'm, I'm discussing Dalton Schultz because I agree completely with all three of you guys and the fact that he has earned the opportunity to go and get his money. And he, of course, is taking advantage of that via the franchise tag this year. And I would love to see Dalton Schultz sign to a long-term deal specifically because of what he can do as a surface level or maybe a floor for this offense as somebody they can consistently throw the football to. However... When you brought up Trayvon Diggs, you bring up C.D. Lamb in a couple of years. Of course, Micah Parsons in a couple of years. I mean, there are names along the way that are young, core members of your team that are going to need deals at some point throughout the next couple of years. If Dalton Schultz isn't high on that list, he may not be on the list at all. If we're being honest, I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. It's a financial thing. It's a, a fact of the salary cap. It just may not be... Enough piece of the pie. I hate using that term. and Stephen Jones uses it a lot. But if he's not a big piece of the pie, he's probably not going to get a piece at all.
2: How many of us at this table believe that there's going to be a long-term deal signed with
4: Dalton Schultz?
1: My my answer immediately in my head was it depends on the money.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I I would lean towards... Probably be more surprised if there is a deal done by July fifteenth. Yeah, right? Just because there hadn't been any talks.
2: I don't and see it happening from it, his from yeah. his perspective. What's the advantage from his perspective
0: of signing a long term deal, locking it up, not with, at the numbers that you want? Well,
2: I mean, I he's would, not going to get the numbers he wants.
4: Yeah, I, mean, I would say generally security. But if you, I mean, it's like Dak's deal back in the. It's like Dak could have signed something, but Dak was like, I want, I, I don't want to sign just for to sign. I yeah. can make more. I can do more. I can prove myself. Bet on myself. Maybe that's what he wants to but do. But
0: the ultimately. point that you make, obviously, Dalton Schultz can't. He can't be concerned with what you, what the organization has coming down the road because this is a right now business. I mean, this is a it, me business. Exactly. And so, <laughs> with anything, I mean, if you ever worked in any corporate setting, you don't know what you're. You you do not know what people are making. So you have to be. About your money, you have to ask. But in this setting, he understands that the market is being reset and they don't have to have analytics. They can Google it. They can look at the numbers where the production was and say, "Okay, this is a guy that's had 50 catches when we called upon him. He's had 12 touchdowns. The numbers you just compared between Mm -hmm. him and Njoku doesn't make it close, but he can't perceive his... Talent Based off of how other people on the outside are judging him, he's judging himself versus everybody else. And there are only two other tight ends in this league that have more touchdowns than him. Mm. So, you know, in going to another season with Dak Prescott, he does better numbers. Somebody's going to pay him. If Dallas is saying that they're not going to pay him, and they're paying their 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 quarterback the money that they're giving him, and he's this guy is his number one weapon that he loves to utilize in the in the red zone, why do you take that away? That's not a big deal, especially when you say, "P, in two years they can rip this contract up." We've seen it. I mean, it's like monopoly money. It's it's Amari's,
4: not, yeah, Mari's deal was like that.
0: Yeah, it's it's not even real. So if anything else, you're locked in for two years to this deal, and and you can get get out of it if Ferguson shows you that he's the. player. Player that you think he is, but right now, today, you don't have an answer for that.
4: Yeah, the Jarwin's injury changed a lot of this too. Yes, it I did. mean, I mean, it, it changed the whole <laughs> landscape of the position. It might have they might have made them really feel like, oh, we have to tag him now. Um, and and yeah, you don't have the depth that you enjoyed this time last year, unless Ferguson takes a step forward, and and we'll see. We've watched him for two practices, and also building off
1: of what Heckman said before, we talk about some of these other tight ends. What was one of the biggest struggles for this Cowboys team in 2020? Scoring in the red zone. They were 29th in the NFL in red zone efficiency. Going into 2021, that was a huge talking point. We hit it on this show multiple times. Dalton Schultz was a massive reason why there was an uptick, and they finished 6th in the NFL in red zone efficiency last season. That's a huge reason because of those eight touchdowns, the way he was able to get open in the red zone and convert on long drives and finish things off with Dak Prescott at quarterback. Yeah, Dak Prescott also being there helps a lot. I will throw that in there too instead of having Andy Dalton in 2020. However, Dalton Schultz did play a massive part of that. So underneath him, if we're talking about the gap, how big is that gap specifically? Because it's Dalton Schultz, Jeremy Sprinkle, Jake Ferguson, Peyton Hendershot, Sean McCune, Ian Bunting, those are the guys in the building. That's your tight end crew at the moment. Have you seen anything, Rob, from what you've seen out at OTAs specifically that provides some light in terms of some of those guys that are a little bit deeper in the tight end depth chart?
4: Well, I mean, Sprinkle, you know what he's going to bring. He, he is a, a run blocker. In the. He's a, Yeah, he helps in the run game. That's what his, he's made a career of doing. He had a nice day catching the ball a couple weeks ago, but that's, that's his role. Ferguson to me, just watched him a couple times. Um, he's known as a blocker, a willing guy. Wisconsin, Big Ten, cloud of dust, all that kind of stuff. He looks, he looks to me like he he could stand to put on some some weight, some strength, and get stronger in that area. And usually, guys have to their first year. I I mean, there's he looks like he moves well. He looks like he could pr- provide some production there, but I don't know. After two practices, you watch him and say, well, they can move on without Dalton Schultz right now. <laughs> I just don't think they're at that point. And especially, again, like when Dalton was drafted in the fourth round, it took him a couple years to really break through. He had to work on getting stronger. He talked about that to us a couple weeks ago. That, that yeah. was something he had to adjust to early in his career.
0: Well, the one department that I have a lot of faith in is our strength and conditioning department. For sure. Yeah. They, these guys, they have blown a lot of these guys up, and so I'm sure Ferguson is going to get the same treatment. But I go back to when we get—we brought in the bell dozer. Uh, Blake Bell. Blake Bell. Yeah. And his whole thing was about his hands and ability to block because we, we've thought with – Uh, Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz, they were a liability uh, blocking-wise, but they showed to be serviceable. Obviously, we have tape where Dalton Schultz doesn't look very good against the likes of some really good edge rushers in the league. Makes no importance here. All I'm going to say is when you talk about what's behind him, guys like McEwen Mm -hmm. uh, from Michigan, I get the same feeling that you get from Ferguson, the 10 yards in a cloud of dust, you know, Big Ten guy. He at least and I was talking to uh, Kyle sitting next to him watching no TAs, and he says, Well there's really nothing special about him and, and I said, that's how I like my tight end. <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't want it to be him to be anything special. I, I mean 500, 600 yards, six touchdowns, I'm okay with that from my backup guy. I Heckler mean,
1: looked at me and he goes, keep talking.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, I, mean, I like, like that. Tell me more. <laughs> because all he's going to do is be consistent. He's going to be a special teams guy. His role, he can fill perfectly. Jeremy Sprinkle seems like that guy that's always been on the cusp but have always had to take a back seat because his game was just inadequate in some ways, right? I just feel as though when you have, when you have a, a, a scouting department that goes out and drafts a guy and he builds to the – the point that you have Dalton Schultz at right now. That's everything that you want, and so I want the same thing from Ferguson. I want this kid to come in skinny, and I want to blow him up next year. I want you know I, I want Isaiah to be saying, "Did you see Ferguson, man? This guy's been on weights all summer long. This is what we've uh, we've built in that tight end room." I believe with our draft pick and with the guy that's the lead dog in there right now.
1: It's been a long time since we've started a show and went an entire first segment talking about tight ends <laughs> yeah. only, but. Hey, maybe the Schultz saga will be a one-parter. Maybe it'll be a (laughs) two-parter. Who knows? We'll talk about it if updates come. But when we come back, the Hall of Famer himself, Mean Joe Green, joins the show. You don't want to miss this. We'll be right back with more Talking Cowboys.
3: There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Barrelux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Grisol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Want
4: to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys?
1: Back here on Talking Cowboys, where Cowboys Nation, the ninth annual Reliant Home Run Derby, is back at Riders Field in Frisco tonight, 6.30 p.m. Come see your favorite Cowboys players. Swing for the fences and raise money for the Salvation Army. Free admission to all. You do not need a ticket. We will see you there it's five thirty. The media get a swing at it. Mm. I will be the last one to go in the first round because it's by last name, alphabetical order. So Yeomans gets the chance, bastard. To, yeah, to, to watch everybody before him. Yeah. I'll get a chance to swing a little bit. Yeah. It'll have some. We'll have some fun. Yeah. I feel good. Yeah, got got out to the field. Shout out to, to Kenny Schkumo, my fiance's brother. Is uh, he? He was a coach at Liberty High School in Frisco, okay. and so we went out to the field this weekend. Got nice. a couple cuts in. Got to see some live pitching. Nice. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. We
2: nice. left left center. Right, yeah, center, you know,
1: it was funny. We were talking. He was like, "I think your power is to the gaps. You mm. think he thinks it's gap to gap power. No, it's, it's Left center, right center, It's mm-hmm. trout like kind of." Yeah. You know what? If yeah. that's what yeah, you, that's his, your word's good. not mine. <laughs> I mean, if you want to compare it to Mike Trout, then <laughs> Trout kind of judgy, you know, Aaron judgy a little bit. Yeah, right? he's more yeah. of like a short porch guy though. Okay. Right? okay, okay. I mean, he's like six foot seven, but he hits three hundred and twenty foot bombs. Like that's all. Just sneaks
2: over the if you if you drop scrapers if you drop your front leg back, Kyle. Okay thing up you can send some down the line that's easy that's like 310
1: yeah 310 down the line i think there it's 354 down the line still 354 what? down left field for sure yeah i don't Look know if guy. everybody knows you were
4: a baseball guy it's, it's a long time ago right. yeah but i mean different long lifetime time. but a long time ago yeah. but but
2: it was, it was a thing it was a thing it was a thing baseball is my best sport by far you didn't play at what? washington though mm-hmm. right Hmm? You didn't play at Washington. Uh, I started my fr- I started playing my my freshman year and then I stopped. You yeah. did do dual sports. Mm-hmm. Oh, you left the bag on the table. I, I did. Drafted. I turned down. I, I turned down one. You still be playing. I turned down one point three out of high school. Drafted. Hmm? What are you doing? Why? Okay, here's the story. All right. Okay. So I, I, baseball, baseball is baseball is down, my thing. I played baseball when I was since I was six. I didn't touch a football till I was thirteen. So, baseball, I was a griffy guy. I thought I was Griffy. Played center field. You were in Washington. Yeah, I was up yeah. there. I was throwing 85 at 13 years old. Like, I was a baseball dude. Um, and got scouted earlier, all that jazz. So, I uh, got the call to get drafted by the Mariners in the first round. Hmm. My, the, the, the night before the draft, they let me know they are going to take me in the first. The yeah. first round? And You, you left said, a first-round pick said, on the and, table? And you said what? And I pulled over on the side of the road. <laughs> And I told the gentleman, thank you, but I need to go to college. And he said, back then, back then, there was no. Option. It was either you're going, going to minor not. league, or there's now they get drafted, like, hey, we'll pay for college whenever you want to finish, you know, type this, of deal.
4: This is the money ball thing, the movie from Billy yeah. Bean. He had one option. He, he chose the contract. Yeah, I chose
2: – I chose. I had already committed to the University of Washington, yeah. so I wasn't going to renege on my commitment there, mm-hmm. and I did not want to go forward in life without some form of education beyond high school, so – yeah, I turned down pro baseball. I went high school. It. it was hard, man. Same, yeah, same thing
1: here. Yeah. Honestly,
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah, you got a call. From- <laughs> got a call from- <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. First, I, I know I spent a lot of time with you now, and the one story that I have never gotten is, is the one time I got the call. Yeah. To go First on. round two? No. Same, same yeah, deal. yeah, at
1: least, yeah. yeah. No, they were thinking about signing me. It was, I think, it was like two point three. Okay, wow. Okay, is, yeah. Yeah.
0: that was
2: that was definitely the hardest decision decision I've ever had to make. No, that was tough, man. They were like, "Do you you sure?" They said they actually laughed at me when I said, "What about college?" He laughed. He's, son, this is a lot of money. There, you know, what do you mean, college? You coming to play some ball? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you want to go talk to your parents about this? I was like, no.
0: Unbelievable. Wow. But so, I'm surprised that. Mama stand back, then say, uh, put that football hey, away. No, she's, get-
2: she. She yeah. would have stayed right behind me, man.
0: But I did get drafted by the Orioles out of college. You turned out
2: okay. What?
1: You turned Isaiah out okay. Is this a, this is. is a story we have to save I, for another time. Just when you think you know a just guy. Just when you
0: think you what know. What are you doing, Isaiah?
1: Blockchain.com, The second segment, <laughs> is brought to you by Blockchain.com. Isaiah turns out okay. He's got his deja blue can. And he gets a chance to talk to the Hall of Famer. Woo! Mean Joe Green on the line. One of the best defenders in the history of the National Football League. Mean Joe, thanks again for joining us and uh, taking some time here with Talking Cowboys. How's everything going on in your world?
3: Everything is fine, sir. How about yours?
1: Absolutely fantastic. I will also say as a North Texas alumni... Go mean green. So there you go. Go
3: mean green. Let's go. go. Green. I
1: got to put it out there. If it's mean Joe on the line, I'm gonna I'm gonna say go mean green. Before we really get into the nitty gritty, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to to talk about the Green Family Foundation. You guys do a, a fantastic job uh, raising money for those in need around the area, and, and you do a lot of work around the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. And you've got a fundraiser coming up. It's your fourth annual on the line coming up the, in the next couple of weeks uh, tell us about what's going on there and and, and uh, why it's so important to you
3: well it's uh it's important to me first of all is because my my kids uh, were involved and it got it started they were the reason for it's uh it's a, uh it's uh, going on right now it's development and it's it's um, to honor their mother my wife uh, Agnes Lucille Craft Green and it provides a a worthwhile need for the university and uh University of North Texas and some some students that are are in need and that's uh that's what it's about. It's is to uh to help worthy worthy students uh get an education and that's a A great place to to get an education from, for sure.
0: So, Uncle Joe, I, I look, man, thank you for, for coming on the show uh, today, short notice. Uh, the, the foundation, I want to say that the Nibble and Mingle is the event. It's going to be on June 11th, this Saturday. June 11th. Yeah, yeah, June 11th. It 3/11. starts at 6.30 at the Highland Hotel. And just to Ooh. outline what my Uncle Joe is talking about, my, my Aunt Agnes Lucille Craft Green passed uh, from breast cancer in 2015. This is a wonderful thing to, that the Green family is doing, uh, the scholarship For students that are impacted, whether it be a parent or a guardian that has died from breast cancer to award scholarships. I mean, we all know someone who has been impacted by cancer. And so up to date, 24 students have been awarded uh, scholarships. And so the Green Family Foundation and everything that it embodies, it has the the breadth of what's going on right now in in the uh, fundraiser at the Holland Hotel. Can't say enough about what it does for the University of North Texas, but also for students who are impacted. impacted uh, by cancer but I just want to say this guys you talk about a awesome place to be on Saturday. I have been, this is going to be my fourth one, Mm. and the amount of Cowboys that are there, I believe Cliff Harris is going to be there, Tony Dorsett has been there in years, I don't know if he's going to be there this year, but Drew Pearson uh, is going to be there this year, but just a lot of Hall of Famers in the building that get this, it's called the Nibble and Mingle, so you get an opportunity to mingle with these Hall of Fame uh, players, so I just wanted to give that outline, Uncle Joe, Uh, but... You know we have some football questions. You know we got football questions for you. My
3: question for golly, you. Golly. Come on golly. now. Golly. Let me Harrison, <laughs> I'm talking to a pro. Golly. That is outstanding, young man. Outstanding. <laughs> but, I, re, I remember you when you were a little baby now. Yeah,
0: I know. Oh, I know so, we can get into that, too. <laughs> no, so no, 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 <laughs> no, no, Uncle Joe, don't do that with these we can, guys. We can get into yeah, that. Uh, yeah. because we, we don't need to talk football. That's <laughs> <green>. We don't <laughs> have to. No, Uncle Joe. I'll tell you, because with friends like these, who needs enemies? All right? So, <laughs> I got you. Guys, I got you. So, so Uncle Joe... Congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I I want to ask you a question about being Defensive Rookie of the Year uh, and the pressure that that could have put on you in 1969. That wasn't very long ago, but still, as the Defensive Rookie of the Year, what was it like coming off of that award into your second year? What was that pressure like as a player?
3: Well, you know, that was a long time ago, and... We didn't, we didn't have all the media coverage that you have, these guys have today. So, um, me being defensive rookie of the year, it was just something that I felt good about, but it was just personal and it, it wasn't any, I didn't put that on anybody else and I, I didn't weigh myself down with that, with that honor. It, uh, you know. When I was playing with Pittsburgh, our first year we won one ball game. <laughs> the next year we won, I think three. So I didn't have much, much room or much time to be patting myself on the back or be nervous about being rookie of the year because our team was really bad. <laughs> so I, I had to be about the work of playing football and trying to win some ball games. So, and I'm sure that this this young man from from Penn State, will have the same idea about trying to help his team win. He's not going to be worried about any kind of per- personal accolades. Uh, he didn't come from that kind of university. His background, I'm sure, I've never met him, but I'm sure that his background doesn't allow for, for, that, for those kinds of uh, attitudes. It's about the team.
2: Sweet. Well, Mr. Green, this is Isaiah Stam. I want to say it's a pleasure to to meet you. I'm going to go ahead and crack this uh, deja blue and toast that to you. Appreciate you, man, for everything that you've done for us and for the game. Um, I would like to know, as you look at this roster, this Dallas Cowboys roster, is there any player on this roster that embodies the will, determination, and character that could have played on the same field as you and your comrades back
3: in the day? Oh, my goodness. I mean, there are, there are a number of players, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, players of, of different decades, you know, they, they bring different things to the game. And I've always said that these guys are probably the number of those guys are, I'm not saying that they're better athletes, but in terms of a team of of, of 50 guys, they may have fifty guys that are pretty good athletes, and I'm saying we probably had maybe twenty or thirty. Mm. So they had more. They have more guys that that are athletic and strong, and 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 and, and, and can play the positions that they are they're uh, uh, entitled to play. So I'm saying that athletes they come in all seasons. Yeah. And I would say that uh, today there's just probably more of them because they spend more time preparing. Uh, I never went to a mini camp or OTAs. I never did that. I just went to training camp and hated that. <laughs> so, and I didn't really, I didn't work out until probably uh, two weeks before I had to go to training camp. <laughs> So, that to me, that's my personal difference, and I know that I couldn't stack stack up against guys that are that are playing today, from the standpoint of being conditioning. So, you know, if I had to wait until I got conditioned with these guys, I probably wouldn't have made it.
4: Mr. Green, this is Rob Phillips. It's it's great to meet you. Uh, Thank you so much for what you're doing with your foundation. Uh, My mother-in-law passed uh, breast cancer in January, so uh, I know my my family really appreciates what your family's doing uh, with the foundation. Um, Just curious your thoughts. I don't know how much you watch of the Cowboys every season, but um, just your impressions of this team, what they did last year, what they need to do uh, to get to the next level in 2022.
3: Well, it's it's hard to say when you're not in those meetings and you don't know what their strategy is and what they're talking about. But as a fan uh, and a person that watches the game, um, they have they. It looks like they have a dilemma there. They have a quarterback and they have receivers and they have a running back and they did have a a strong offensive line. <laughs> So somewhere between running the football and passing the football, they kind of—I think—they may have lost their way a little bit. Hmm. Um, when when the running back they have now, what's his name?
0: Ezekiel. Elliott. When when
3: when when he had his rookie year, the offensive line was in place. And the type of runs that he ran were, were outstanding, outstanding, and that that gave them the impetus to to throw the football to do just about whatever they needed. And uh, at that point in time, I think the defense wasn't quite as as good as it has been, and they were trying to catch, they were trying to outscore everyone and that's that's a difficult thing to do, especially when you're giving up points on the other side so I think they have to as as any football team, you have to find a balance and right now with with the, so much emphasis on throwing the football and and going empty you know. That was the defensive lineman's dream when I was playing. <laughs> hey, y'all go empty. <laughs> oh, love it, love it, love it. Yeah. So uh, that tells everyone that you're not going to the football mm. and every, everyone on defense. And, you know, the offense, they think that's an advantage, and it might be. But that does let uh, the guys that like to hit the quarterback. Go after him, and um, I think the wide, res- the defensive backs probably kind of like that also, because that means they don't have as much time to to find those open receivers.
0: You know, Uncle Joe. Let me ask you this question: uh, the when you look at a player like Aaron Donald that just signed a two-year deal that makes him. One of the highest paid defensive linemen in the league next to quarterbacks. And you you think about what you guys were paying for playing for back in the seventies. Do you ever say to yourself, when you look at those numbers, boy, I was in the I was born in the wrong era. I wish I was born now. I mean, when you see all that money that these guys are making, I mean, how does that make you feel, knowing that you are one of the greatest players to ever play this game?
3: Well, I'm I'm happy for them. And on the other side of that coin I'm happy for myself because they couldn't have paid me forty million dollars a year back then and me still be alive today. I could, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked. No way. No way. No way. I w I wasn't I w was, I, was, I wasn't mature to enough to, to, to handle that. Um so that much burden. It would have been a burden to me.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And and thank you again for for hopping on the show one more time. I, I do want to plug it before we let you go. The Green Family Foundation, uh, nibble and mingle coming up this saturday six thirty. how can they or how can anyone listening become a part of that how can they donate uh and, and how can they help this green family foundation continue to provide uh scholarships for those students that that definitely deserve it
0: and i can tell you i can tell you right now if you go on www.greenfamilyfoundation.org that is the first place uh to go and that's greenfamilyfoundation.org and that's tickets to the Nibble and mingle and um donation uh there at that website. Any
1: anybody specifically you could tell us is going to be there on Saturday? Joe, is there anybody that's on the list that that could be of note?
3: Well, um as uh as Mr. Harrison said, uh Mr. Pearson, the new new Dallas Cowboy Hall of Famer mm-hmm. and uh Cliff Harris, another uh, Dallas Cowboy Hall of Famer, and all the Hall of Famers will be wearing their jackets. Yeah. Um, in the past, Tony Dorsett was would, would, was going to be there, but he's he's out of the country this week, mm. and so is uh, Randy White. But uh, we'll we'll have enough guys there. We're going to miss those guys. Uh, Errol Campbell will be there. He, he is. Nice. He'll, he'll be there. Yeah. That's the outstanding. Colorado's. So we're looking at, looking forward to having a good time there. And at five thirty, um, we're going to have a um, a toast, the champagne toast to early arrivals.
1: Oh, there you go. So get there early. Get there early and, and uh, have a ton of fun with the fourth annual nibble and mingle fundraiser, Mean Joe. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's always great talking to you, uh, and I'm sure we'll we'll definitely have to to catch back up down the road as well.
3: Well, thank you for having me on, and thank you, Hegman, and thank you for talking about the nibble and mingle. You guys are a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: There he goes. One of the best to ever play the game, Mean Joe Green, Hall of Famer, and not just a Hall of Famer, but he's an upper echelon elite. Goat. The GOAT. Yeah, uh, go. no doubt about it. Let's, take, let's go ahead and take our second break. When we come back, we're going to round things out. We're going to take a look at what OTA's brought, some of the other standouts along the way, and what you can anticipate for minicamp coming up next week when we return with more Talking Cowboys. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar and a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And
2: a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you
0: deserve is finally here.
2: At AT AT&T, everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching Grandma how to video call. And teaching her again.
0: It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left.
2: It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T is giving everyone, new and existing customers, our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone, even the latest ones.
1: AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds at the network's busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply.
4: The Cowboys way, where 16
1: Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank
2: of America Corporation.
0: Back to talking Cowboys.
1: Whether you're watching from home or you're cheering in the stands, with Essilor lenses, you can see every exciting play. <laughs> Book an appointment at your local Essilor experts and see what Essilor can do for you. See more. Uh-oh. Do more Essilor. <laughs> oh Little extra emphasis from Isaiah this week. Uh, it was a little strong. Mm, okay. Strong hands. You break it, you buy it. <laughs> yeah, right. What? Love our friends over at Essilor. It's that high-quality H two O you got there.
2: <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> is that
1: your new tradition? Is cracking open a Deja Blue? I don't drink
2: alcohol, so Deja Blue is the option for me. Well, you, you do you drink, I don't drink Miller Lite? So I mean, I know you know so I'm popping Deja Blue. Do Blue's you drink right? like Pepsi Diet or Dr no, Pepper? You don't, don't a, drink sodas. No. It's okay, really so good. That's
1: about it. Don't. Yeah this yeah. is
2: this is about as, this is what I do here <laughs>
1: Deja Blue is going to be our sponsor by the by the start so. this, this new can is freaking Dude, that right there? that's my <laughs> <high> quality, <laughs> man. I may have needed that for a drop. You hear that right <laughs> there? Well, it's it, yeah, Every time he does it, I went back and listened to the show last week to find like time cues, and it was right at the start of a segment when he did it. Yeah. And it's like, it sounds yeah. like a drop. Wow,
0: baby. Mark, like, Deja Blue. Like Mark Chris, that, Chris,
1: Chris could be in the back a pushing clip. a button.
2: Hey, yeah. I Deja, Deja Blue, if y'all want to send me a refrigerator to put in my office, I wouldn't be mad. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I load it up. We love our friends over
1: at Two Deja Blue. on the 10. Always. Thanks again. Again, special thanks to, to Joe Green for hopping on the show with us again. The, the Green Family Foundation, go online. I'm going to tweet out the the uh, the graphic that was up on our, our stream as well. www.greenfamilyfoundation.org. It's a great cause. goes a long way in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Even if you're outside of the Fort Worth, Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, uh, That's awesome. find a way to do it. It was a lot of fun to talk with him. Since we had one of the best defenders of all time on the show – how about we talk some defense to round out? All right, I think we've got to right. Yeah. So, looking at OTAs, you you don't get really a, a great opportunity to see what this defense can bring this year. But it's a big time question. They saw the uptick from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one. Is there an opportunity for this defense to take a next step? And how good can this defense be this year, Rob?
4: I think well, yes. I think having the the scheme in place this year gives a foundation for Dan Quinn to build off of. So I think, yeah, they can be better. My question is, can you if you're not leading the league in takeaways like you did last year, how does that impact your defense? Because I don't know if you can count on that every year to get those takeaways. And I think there were some games where they gave up a lot of yardage, but it was offset by getting extra possessions for the offense. So we- if you're not doing that,
0: how are, you, how are you accounting for that? But would you trade the turnovers for sacks if you led the league in sacks? No. If they were
4: sack strip fumbles, I would. Mm-hmm. I'll take the takeaways every day of the week. I'm yeah. just
0: saying you already know that you're not gonna get the same number of sacks from last year. And if you do, that's obviously gonna be great for Dan Quinn. But are saying turnovers, right? Right. I'm, no, no no. Yeah. I'm saying that the turnovers. Like you're yeah, not yeah. it's not gonna be the same this year from last year, mm-hmm. but if you're able to supplant maybe with sacks, This season, so you have to have some another Mm -hmm. part of your game. You have to be better in the run defense, better in pass, but also if you're not getting those turnovers, can you produce those sacks as well? Mm -hmm. Um, Those are some of the things that I saw last year where we were not getting pressure at the times that you know. Look, we just needed to get a stop. Um, And so, look, looking at this defense, I believe just based off of what I'm seeing from OTAs that. Michael Parsons don't matter if he has on shoulder pads and shorts. He's one of the best defenders in the league right now. I'm just just saying this guy is all over the place and how they're going to use him with the extra defenders. I'm really interested to see Dante Fowler because Dante Fowler is a player that to me looks like a guy that could really help you in their rotation with the edge rushers that you have. And, that thing, to me, is going to allow for Micah to play as free as we saw him play last season uh, in the way that Dan Quinn uh, can use him. So the question is, can they be a dominant defense? I think a lot has been said on the table about the turnovers from last year being different this year. So I just I'm looking at them to be able to dominate in another way, whether it be stop the run or get pressures on the quarterback.
2: I just want them to be disruptive. Honestly, I want this defense collectively to be disruptive. I think last year, obviously, they created a lot of chaos in terms of the ability to create turnovers. But this year, I'm not sure that you can really bank on that. Mm-hmm. Back-to-back years, I mean, that was just crazy, right? That was monumental. But I think that this defense can be very disruptive in a sense of just just messing up whatever, def- whatever offenses they're trying to bring to the table. Would you consider last year's defense to be disruptive? I think they were dangerous in the form of, if you throw the ball in the air, we're going to get it. Hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, I think in that six picks. So yeah. I mean, it speaks I mean, for itself. You put it in the air, we're going to grab that thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think they were disruptive in that sense. I want to see now that disruption carry over to the ground game.
0: Yeah. No, I I love what you said about chaos. Yeah, because that's what you want your defense to be. Mm -hmm. And and the the one game that I saw them, you asked that question. I saw them do it in spurts, but especially against the Washington Football Team last year. I thought that game was one where you're like, they are all over this Mm -hmm. team. They are not a, and obviously they were shorthanded as well. But still, the defense seemed to disrupt everything that the the Commanders or the Washington Mm -hmm. Football Team was doing at the time. They're going to have to continue that with less. Uh, seemingly now uh, that they've lost some, something on, on, on defense.
4: Yeah, um, it'd be nice to have Tank. You hope for you know full season, start the season healthy. Um, but as far as chaos goes, like I thought, that's one that's something Randy Gregory brought, yeah. and it wasn't you know he missed some games and injuries are a factor and all that, but like he could wreck a game for you. Mm-hmm. So who is going to help fill in that role you mentioned, Dante Fowler? Um, George Armstrong may take a step up in terms of, of snaps can he deliver more he had he had pretty good number of pressures for the amount of snaps he played last year so maybe he can take a step forward we'll see what Sam Williams can bring mm-hmm. off the edge like they've got some guys that collectively they're going to try to replace that production and but heck's right like uh, you it starts up front
1: yeah. yeah and if you bring pressure you're Most likely going to force turnovers at some point along the way as well. Micah Parsons did that a lot last year. He wasn't the one that was leading the league in terms of interceptions or Mm -hmm. forced fumbles and whatever, but he was there providing pressure that led to plenty of interceptions along the way. Part of why Trayvon Diggs had 11 picks was because Micah Parsons was as disruptive as he was in the backfield throughout the season. It happened on multiple occasions throughout the year. And, And Micah, I mean, you mentioned it with OTA specifically. You saw him last year. And his first real offseason work, and it was jaw-dropping, right? You mm-hmm. saw him, too. You saw him, mm-hmm. too. Jaw-dropping. Is he better this year already? Like, just compared to what you saw without the pads on last year, because I think he's already taken that step up.
0: I think he, he, you, you have to assume that he is. And, I'm, I'm look, I'm just basically looking at him just pulverized still in practice. And just, That's the thing. That's your starting right tackle. Right. He I, is. I mean, Dominating. But but that's Micah. And and you just see the speed that he plays with, the type of force that he generates – Maybe we didn't see anything like this before with a defensive rookie of the year. There are there? He's eerily reminiscent to some other greats that have played in the league. Mm-hmm. I think everybody is clock watching when it comes down to Micah and what he's going to do this year. There's no way that he regresses in his second season. I think if I'm Dan Quinn, I am in the madman cave trying to draw up everything that I can for Micah uh, to get to the quarterback. That disruption that you're talking about, if you're not getting those turnovers, exactly what Isaiah is talking about, has to be... your. MO. You have to, guys have to, Tampa has to get off the bus, come in here, and have their whole life rocked (laughs) by this defense from just being everywhere. Look, we've had, we've asked Trayvon Diggs, and there was a lot of pressure on him. Aside from his, his rookie season, I don't think people were as impressed with him. His second season, man, he just basically blew everyone's socks off. Yeah, Being in this system another another season, I think he's going to be improved. So he may not be the guy that we're looking at mm. or even thinking that can get any better than what he is, but what if he does?
1: Mm. Well, and he's even talking about it specifically, and we've got some audio here that I want to go to. But, but Micah's speaking, and I, I tweeted this out after the OTA practice. I said, Micah looks like a monster, and he sounds like a vet because he his mindset— is continuously getting better. And he spoke on what Lyle Collins, before he left, kind of taught him. Yeah, that was good. And and I love this quote because it it really does bring everything back into perspective of what he's trying to do and trying to avoid that second-year slump. Here's the audio.
0: Sam came up to me even today and said, you know, how do you know when to go inside? And I'm like, man, I'm reading half his body. You know, and I said – um, the best thing Lael like Collins told me early on when I was learning how to pass, road, she was like, Man, you got to make them fear one thing. And, you know, I make them fear the speed, and then everything else can go off that because they got to respect you in some aspect. They got to fear the speed, fear the power. They got to fear something about you that's going to make them set just a little bit different. And I was like, Once you, you uh, show that, then you could do all your counters, all your moves, and things that you want to show, but they got to respect you in some aspect.
1: Got to respect you in some aspect. You got to fear one thing; it gives you chills when you think what? about it from an individual what?
4: standpoint, right? And Man. it is the speed for him. It, it absolutely is. is. I don't. Who has closing speed like Micah does playing his position? You know, it, it, that is the one thing. Hair for him. on the
0: back of my neck, standing up, and I don't have any hair. <laughs> <clears throat> it's there. Imaginary. So my question
1: to you, Isaiah, specifically is: is what is this defense going to be feared for? If you, I know he was talking about individuals there, but I'm putting it from a, a broad standpoint of the defense specifically. If you're an offense going up
2: against this defense in 2022, what are they fearing? I think this team is going to have a lot of sacks this year. I really do. I think that, that, that chaos, that disruption that I was talking about, I'm hoping that it shows up in the, in the running game, but I really think in the past, and in terms of applying pressure, I really think it's going to be present more so than last year. I don't I know everybody's high on Gregory and I know he's, you know, highly acclaimed here. He's been through a lot and the organization respects him, but I never saw Gregory as that guy. Um, yeah, I never saw him. I saw him as productive, you know. And, and when he wanted to play, when he wanted to be disruptive, he absolutely yeah. Could. It wasn't
4: all the time. It wasn't all the time.
2: Yeah. He didn't. His switch wasn't just on. You know, he's like he decided when the switch was on. You know, whether it was a penalty against him or somebody took a cheap cheap shot at him, then he turned it on. Right. right. There was always something else outside measure had to click that on for him. So one person that I'm I'm really excited to see, especially after us doing a rookie um, deal last week, is Sam Williams. I like his personality. I think he, I've played with guys that have that type of personality, and those guys play with reckless abandonment.
1: Who are some of those guys, if you have any off the top?
2: Oh, man. Uh, JPP. uh, That's a good name. Yeah, JPP is definitely one uh, that sticks out for me. Um, You know, D Ware is somebody who like that who who sticks out to me. Somebody who is just their character, like they're not worried about what you think about them, Mm -hmm. like they are who they are you know and whether you're going to like it or you're not going to like it they carry themselves that way and they're not trying to appease anybody else they have something that's a driving measure for them whether it be family yeah. uh, whether it be their you know the kids or parents yeah. or something that's a, that's their driving force that you can see whenever you have a conversation with them they get serious about that right and that's what you know that's what they're thinking about when they're out there grinding every single day. That's their that's their driving measure. And then other than that, they're clowns. They like to have fun and they're just gonna go out there and they just know they're just the guys that like they just like messing stuff up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like They they yeah. they, they, they find joy in, in making your life hard. And I get that same sense out of Sam Williams just in a brief He's time. A joker. Of his, just a joker, it, it, man. a joker. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to him being opposite of Micah a lot of times whenever they decide to start applying pressure. And then you put Fowler in there as well, who's going to be asked to do one thing. Yeah. Put right. pressure on the QB. Yep. So when you start putting when you start thinking about all these different aspects and the personality traits that they're starting to put together on that side of the ball, I believe that this defense can be very disruptive.
0: No, I love that you said that JPP for one because I've always thought that JPP had the biggest luxury playing on that team coming in with I don't know Mike Strahan OCU. I mean, how how easy was your job when you come in and you have guys like that in front of you? And I think the same thing about Sam Williams. I think he gets drafted, he comes in, he looks. Like him and Micah could be brothers. I've already said this. Like Ancestry.com has got to tell me that they're not related. Uh, but I'm just saying, with a guy like that that can come in and play loose and just do one job, like you just said about uh, Dante Fowler, yeah. Sam Williams' job is liking the same thing. Yeah. I'm just pin your ears back and get to the quarterback. We have all these other guys that can yeah. do all the other things. And your sub package, when you come, come in, it's the get down mm-hmm. sub package. Mm-hmm. You got one job and one job only. Get home. And so that's why I was saying, yeah. like, if we can't get the turnovers, we can get the sacks and we can be disruptive because of all the quarterbacks that we have yeah. that are coming into ATT and and the, the quarterbacks that we're going to play on the schedule. If that's one of the things that you can do is have that clock as a quarterback, as a former quarterback in college yeah. – if that clock is, hey, I, I got to get this ball going. I got to go. I got to go. Got to go. You know, you're rushing everything else on the back end.
2: Yeah, he's, he's a guy that I'm looking forward to seeing week one. Like week one, like, because yeah. TB12 has a little bit of a prick to him. You know what I'm saying? As he very well should. But he's that guy where, like, how dare you touch me type of guy. You know what I mean? And Sam Williams is like one of those guys, like, oh, I'm going to touch you. I'm going to poke you in your ear. I'm going to poke you in your neck. Like, I'm going to bother the heck out of you this whole I'm just day. Keep and, I, and I'm going to love it the uh-huh. whole way. I'm going to run by. Even if I don't touch you, I'm going to say something on the way by just so you know I'm there. And I'll be back. You know what I'm After this <laughs> next series, I'll be right back. He's that type of guy. And I can't wait to see that personality come across on this defense. They need it.
1: This personality—I mean, this defense has a personality. Yes. I mean, you look all the way around that there are those guys: Micah, Sam, Trayvon. Like, there's personality. Ridgeway the too. Defense. I like him. Ridgeway. I like him too. Yeah, we got a chance to kind <laughs> of God. sit down with him for a little bit, but uh, it's going to be that. I mean, as much as the offense has been the talking point throughout much of this offseason, and as it should be because of the disappointment that we saw toward the back half of last year. This defense has to be better mm. in certain areas. Yes. And we're going to continue to talk about that with more Talking Cowboys down the road. Today was a lot of fun. Yeah, we had sure. me Joe yeah, Green by, on the man. show. We yeah, did. Got to talk a little home run derby, learn more about it. Let's go, today. KY. We're going to have some fun tonight. Rel- hey. Reliant Home Run Derby, 630. Come see the Cowboys out there. I'll already be holding uh, my championship trophy How many by that you point. Get?
2: How many cuts did you get tonight?
1: Uh, so it's 10 outs in the first round, 7 outs in the second round. Ooh. Five outs in the third. Who out. are you up against? R.J. Choppy, Pat <laughs> Doney.
0: If you can't take down Pat Doney, and uh, come on yeah, now, I'm you okay got twenty-two cuts. How many home
2: runs you getting out of twenty-two cuts? Well, no.
0: If I hit a homer, then I get another cut. Oh, it's so it's only just outs. It's outs. Oh yeah.
1: shoot, Kyle, I'm, I'm rolling. Did they move the fence up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's freaking go let's get after it boys let's 6.30 go. come watch it Ninth annual on Home Run Derby it's a lot of fun back for the first time since 2019 we'll be back next
0: week so what you're We're saying the is, the is that next view. week when Kyle we... Trout when we come, when we, we got a full review next week, Kyle well, Trump. Right. Oh, we're starting the oh, show, starting show oh, off with it. Oh, we'll with start
2: good, bad, or ugly. Either, yeah. Going, yeah. Oh,
1: no, <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. I'm gonna lay an egg and I'm pop in here and I'll be ashamed. I'll wear a <laughs> no. jeans hat yeah. or something. No, I'll that won't be something. you, dog. Yeah. You damn right. That won't be you. Yeah, you, that's right. All right, that's <laughs> it for talking cowboys this week. For Chris Beam, Rob Phillips, Isaiah Standback, Heckma Harrison. I'm Kyle Yeomans. We'll see you next Tuesday here on Talking Cowboys.